0: Hey guys, good, good mid afternoon, well, morning afternoon. we we' got brunch afternoon, right? Uh, Monday, start the week off. Here we go. Another week of great shows and uh, great guests and everything else that goes along with that. Welcome, everybody. My name is Charlotte. And I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong. Get this adjusted. Things hanging off me. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you think you have a paranormal need, need help, we can get to you. It might take us a while because California is a big, big state, but we can get to you. And if we can't physically get to you, we have mediums on staff who can just simply make a phone call and go and take it from there. So it's that easy. How do you find us? Right here, you're probably watching from Facebook right now, Facebook and YouTube right now. Head on over to one of our Facebook pages. Uh, we have a lot of California Haunts pages out there, plus my personal Facebook page. Plus, you can get us over on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash ampersand California Haunts Radio. That's another way to get us. Plus, that's just not there either. You can find me at Ghosty Gal, which is over at Instagram. So it's Ghosty Gal, it's all lowercase. And uh, you can find me there and message me or Twitter, Raquel Haunts at Twitter. Or if you are a TikTok person, which I am also a TikTok person. You can find us at California Haunts on TikTok, and that's all lowercase. See, so there's all kinds of ways to find us. That being said, we got a great I've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about ancient Greek um, health stuff, and uh, I'm excited about that. I, I, I love looking into that historical stuff. Plus, this gentleman has other things that he, you know, he not only studies that, but he applies that to what he does. So we're going to have him talking about that today. His name is Edward, Dr. Edward Tick, okay? So, that all being said, back to back to Facebook. If you like what you see, please hit that like button. And if you haven't done so already, hit the follow button. Always looking for followers, right? Same thing with YouTube. Down in the bottom right-hand corner over there is a ghost with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. And that's our mascot. You click on that mascot, and it's going to come up to a subscribe button. So, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. We've got almost 550 videos sitting over there of this show, of this show. And because I'm a, I'm a journalist, I'm a photojournalist. I enjoy paranormal topics, but I also like to change it up a, a lot. So, like today's a really good example of that of changing it up. You know, to talk about health topics, I talk about health topics. I talk about murders. I talk about new you know current news events and stuff. So, I, I like to change up my show. So, I'm sure if you go over there to the YouTube site and take a look at the shows, you'll find something you like. I think there's a little something for everybody over there. Okay. All right, and if you haven't done so already, I'm going to put a I'll, I'll, I'll put a link on this um, after the show. But uh, I have a Discord. Discord's cool, you know, Facebook and all that's cool, but Discord is even better because that's for my ghostly groupies. That's where that's where all the cool kids hang out. We can talk about anything and everything, and there's no shame. There's no shaming or anything like that. Just keep it, you know, just keep it non-political and nice, and and, and we're good to go. You can talk about anything you want. It's where all the cool kids hang out. So you can do that after hours, you know when, when I'm not on the air here. okay, that being said, like I said, we have a great show for you today. Let me see who's jerry ba- Jerry Baser's in the house. <laughs> um, we got a great show for you today, and I'm really excited about this. My grandmother um, worked with herbs. my grandmother um am not gonna say Kuna and I it might upset my family, but my my grandmother um was an herbalist like that she was also she played play, she played midwife. To the people, my grandmother, you know, came across the border from Mexico, so she's old school, right? So, um, my mother even told me stories about my grandmother chanting over her when my mother got stressed over something, you know, and, and and she would be chanting and and using herbs and stuff. So, I'm real excited to talk with this gentleman about ancient Greek healings and stuff. So, I'm going to shut up before I make a fool out of myself. So, let's bring him in, and I probably already have made a fool out of myself, and he can tell you about himself, and then then we'll go from there. Okay, all right, here we go. Hello, sir.
1: Hello, Charlotte. How are you today?
0: Good. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you. And thank you very much for having me on your show.
0: I'm really excited. Tell us about you, sir.
1: About me. Okay. Uh, I am a psychotherapist, a spiritual pilgrim, uh, a writer, a poet. I write both nonfiction and poetry. I'm an international journey guide. Uh, We're going to be talking about ancient Greece, but I lead pilgrimages overseas uh, to both Greece and to Vietnam, so I've uh, led over 40 international pilgrimages uh, to these two countries Um, in the last, gosh, 30 or so years. I immerse myself in the cultural and spiritual traditions of other times, other places, other cultures to try to help awaken the invisible spiritual dimensions that you're working on Teaching about in your show, uh, but how they really exist, how other cultures um, have practices and rituals and awareness of uh, the invisible world, and how they actually use them uh, to bring the invisible and the, and the visible together. And in particular, for our show today, uh, I, in both ancient Greece, um, I've studied and, and I practice the Traditions and rituals from ancient Greece for today. So I don't only go there and study what they used to do, but I also bring people there so that we can access the invisible dimensions through using these rituals today. And I've been I've been at this for um, I don't look it, but I'm 71. So I've been doing this work for uh, almost 50 years.
0: You look great.
1: Yeah, thank you for I agree. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, for 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 my age and um, the traumatizing world we live in I'm looking and feeling great thank you
0: yeah I ain't eating that Greek stuff man if that's what that's doing to you that's what I need
1: it it really is it is keeping me young vital infused with spiritual energy um, in ways that uh, we can barely achieve in our um, stressed out American lifestyle.
0: So tell me, why did you even start researching this stuff to begin with?
1: Hmm. Well, uh, first I'll say that uh, I'm not Greek by birth or by blood. I have no Greek blood. So uh, my DNA samples say I have 2% of Mediterranean blood. So maybe a little bit, but right. And that's what my Greek friends say. We knew you were one of us. (laughs) (laughs) But So briefly, how did I get into this? Well, first of all, um, I had a, a a magical event the day I turned 10 years old, and that introduced me to the Greek tradition. So it's a wonderful story, but I'll tell it briefly. I grew up in New York City. On our 10th birthdays, we were allowed to get the adult, our adult library cards. I'd been wanting to get to the adult section for years. I went to the library after school, got my card, and then I was wandering around the, the the book stacks, and I had no idea what would be my first adult library uh, book that I'd bring home. I was walking between two stacks that were floor to ceiling, and here we go. Here's the magic. I don't know what happened or how, but a book either fell or was invisibly pushed off an upper shelf that I couldn't even reach, and it fell into my arms, and I caught it, and it was Homer's Iliad, the Iliad story of the Trojan War. And it was a big, beautiful red leather bound book. And I said, I don't know what just happened. I don't know what you are, but wow, we're going home together. So at 10 years old, I brought the Iliad home and I devoured it. And it awakened in me the lifelong passion for uh, ancient Greece and everything about it. So that was my beginning. And I was studying that all my growing up years. But that's Mm -hmm. not how I got into it. as a serious adult practitioner and, and researcher. Uh, Some of my work that we can share with uh, our audience is that, uh, well, I grew up, um, I came of age during the Vietnam war. I did not serve in Vietnam. I was protesting the war, but I wasn't protesting our warriors. Uh, I, because I didn't have to serve as soon as the war was over. I, and I, I would have, performed alternative service during the war, if mm-hmm. I had been called, I, or gone to Vietnam as a medic, not to fight the war, but to try to save and preserve lives. So that was my coming of age experience of that war. So in 1975, the year where the war ended, I, be, I began working as a psychotherapist and immediately Vietnam veterans started to come into my practice even before post-traumatic stress disorder came around, which that became a diagnosis in 1980. But I've been working with veterans longer than that. Okay, to jumping to Greece. I worked with veterans giving the best psychotherapy I possibly could at the time. And there was almost nothing written about this. There's no literature on it. It wasn't even a diagnosis. So I, after about... <clears throat> Eight years of doing the best psychotherapy I knew how to under these conditions, I decided we need much, much more teaching and wisdom and help and support and spiritual awareness about this horrible condition that we call post-traumatic stress disorder. So I decided because I was a student of Greece all these decades already, the Greek warrior tradition was very, very strong, of course. Um Modern modern people know about the warrior. Well, everybody knows the movie Troy. Sure. Uh, but but more than that, people think about Greek warriors. People love Greek mythology. They know a lot of the history. And I thought since warfare was such a big part of Greek culture, and they've had it for hundreds and hundreds of years, and they were one of the best, most enlightened cultures we've ever had, they must have had ways for healing their warriors that worked and that we don't have. So I in 1984, I began traveling to Greece to study um, their citizen-warrior tradition and the healing methods they brought. All right, hold on. So one more story.
0: It's all so, good. Keep going. Okay. In
1: 1987, this was my second research trip to Greece, and I was there for several weeks uh, on my own research pilgrimage. I went to a place... Uh, Called Epidaros, Epidaurus, which was the principal holistic healing sanctuary of ancient Greece. Oh. I didn't go there for that in 1987. There is an ancient theater there that is still used every summer. Uh, it seats 14,000 people. And uh, this is magic too. There's no mechanical devices at all. It's just an amphitheater built into a hillside. It has perfect acoustics wow you could be sitting at the top of the mountain you know number 14,000 mm-hmm. of the, the guests and you'll hear even the slightest whisper from the stage and wow. science hasn't even figured out how they do this maybe they're not asking the right questions
0: mm-hmm. so
1: i was there i was in the front row and what a blessing to me i saw the play by euripides the ancient greek tragic playwright um the play was co- is called the Trojan Women. It's probably, uh, well, definitely one of the greatest anti-war plays ever written. It doesn't show war itself. It shows what happened to Troy after the Greeks conquered it. So we see the city burning. All uh, the men are massacred. They're killing the children. They're taking all the women off to be slaves. And the poetry is incredible. It pierces the soul. In that play, um, the woman who played the Queen of Troy, uh, so she's m- grieving everything. I lost my husband. I lost my sons. I lost my city. I lost my children, and I'm going to be a slave. And she's screaming from the core of her being. Uh, actually, it's a, an English word, too, anathema. Anathema is an ancient Greek word. Anathema, it means against everything, against the theme, against the order, against the way, against the way things should be. I heard her screaming that, and I saw this play, and this was a life-changing experience for me, because I went into the theater looking for lessons on how to help heal our Vietnam veterans. That's who I was working with at the time. I left that theater saying, "Uh uh-uh, it's War itself is an archetype War itself it's always the same thing all every time every place. Mm-hmm. What changes is the political uh, the cultures and the, the costumes and the politics of it but the core conditions are of war are universal they crush the soul they cause hideous inner invisible wounding to us and plays like this an ancient theater was a way for working to heal them through massive uh, cultural um, ritual and an and intense catharsis for everybody there. And I experienced catharsis. I felt cleansed after, from my eight years of working with veterans after seeing that, like the pain and the anger and the grief uh, was just lifted out of me. And it was put into a, an ancient and noble perspective. So, uh, I left I went into that theater thinking I'm a therapist for Vietnam veterans. I left the theater saying no. Uh, this is my destiny. I am called to be a war trauma healer for anybody and everybody that shows up in my path and who I have to work with. So um, I carried that forward since then. I also asked the question, This theater is in a healing sanctuary. I don't know anything about this healing sanctuary. I've got to research that and what's the connection between theater and healing. And so Mm -hmm. I went into deep, deep studies and research about that. And what I learned about the sanctuary, and this gets even better into the spiritual dimensions for us, is that this was the main sanctuary in the ancient Greek world uh, of over 300 sanctuaries that were Holistic healing sanctuaries um, for the ancient people, Um, they lasted over 2,000 years. There are over 300 of them. They stretched from Egypt all the way to uh, Spain and Portugal, and from um, the Caucasus in Europe all the way to the um, northern coast of Africa. And researching it, we have records of over 1,000 healings that happened in this tradition. Mm-hmm. and these sanctuaries are the models for our holistic healing sanctuaries today like in California Esalen Institute partially modeled on this and or Omega Institute partially modeled on this in these ways like these san- our sanctuaries this san- these sanctuaries they had everything they had acupressure and massage and uh energy medicine and color therapy and hydrotherapy and astrology readings and poetry readings, and gymnastics, and nutrition. Uh, um, uh, and, and they use theater for healing as well. However, now we get to the spookier parts, the better parts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: After somebody went through the entire holistic process, or by the way, they also had the perfect, um, what we all wish we had, the perfect um, universal health care for everybody. Everybody was welcome. Women as well as men, slaves as well as emperors, and it was free for everybody. You only gave an offering as a a thank you offering after the healing. So you didn't have to be able to afford it. And if a slave only could give an apple, in God's eyes, it's a lot. That's what you have to give. So that was All right. So the centerpiece of the healing was not the holistic practices. That was to prepare you for the ultimate encounter with the spirit world, with the divine. The god of healing in ancient Greek was Asclepius. Asclepius was the son of Apollo. Everybody's heard of Apollo, the god of truth, of the inner light, the one who gave the oracles at Delphi. Asclepius Mm -hmm. was his son. And Asclepius, Apollo was the god of medicine. But Asclepius' son was the god of healing. In these sanctuaries, after their time in the holistic practices, people would go into private chambers. Some In older times, they were like caves in the mountains. But later times, when they built the temples, they were special um, chambers reserved for nothing else but this. And they had a practice. Well, we have all heard of Native American vision questing. You go out into the wilderness after a lot of preparation and you pray and afflict yourself and ask the spirits to come to you and eventually get a vision. So, what the Greeks did was that vision questing. We could call what the Greeks did dream questing. Dream questing. They, their term for it was dream incubation. People would go into these isolation chambers and they would stay there fasting, praying, meditating. And doing nothing else but waiting till the spirits came to them in some form. And in their dreams or visions, they would either see Asclepius, that god of healing, or one of his helpers. He had three daughters who were all healers in the spirit world. And they also had sanctuaries. So Asclepius or one of his daughters or one of his spirit animals, the snake, the dog, or the cock, the rooster, any one of them could come to people in their dreams, and Scouts Honor. In the dreams, they got the healing, without med- um Sometimes, sometimes there was medical intervention connected in some of the sanctuaries, but most of them not. Most of them, this was a pure spiritual healing that happened through the dream incubation for conditions that humanity, uh, human help could not heal. So, right. for example, uh, there was a blind man who, whoops, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's all- there were a blind man who could not be healed, who went and, uh, in, in his dream incubation, he had a dream where he saw Asclepius come to him Ooh. and say, I'm going to tell you how to heal yourself. Here's the prescription go to my altar in the temple and collect ashes from the altar, and mash acorns, and make acorn flour, and put, uh, and make a poultice of the ashes plus the acorns, and spread it over your eyes, and keep it on there for several days, and your sight will come back. And it did. Another example, because working with the veterans, with warriors, the warriors loved this tradition. And even when they invaded, cities and sacked the destroyed cities that um, had this tradition, they protected the Escapian sanctuaries and they used them for their own healing. So a warrior's healing, for example, was somebody was wounded by an arrow in their shoulder and mm-hmm. it was really deep. And so, so deep that it couldn't be operated and it couldn't get the arrowhead out. Mm-hmm. They go into the sanctuary. Another true story. They went into the sanctuary. They did the, dream incubation, and in a dream, they saw the God of healing come to them, do psychic surgery only in the dream, and take out the arrowhead. And they saw it in the dream, and when they woke up, their body had spontaneously expelled it. Wow. So this stuff really happened, and let me tell you a ghost story from modern times. Okay. These traditions?
0: I'm open. Go for it. I know you are, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, I, I really appreciate your open portal, so we can talk about this these strange and magical things in, in such an open way with a absolutely. reception. Absolutely, absolutely. So, one story from modern times, and then let you talk for a while.
0: Okay, <laughs> ask
1: as questions. Absolutely. Okay. So, so this tradition lasted for two thousand years. It really is the beginning. Of medicine and psychology in the Western world. Even our words, those words, uh, psychology, psychotherapy, psychiatry, come from this tradition. Because in ancient Greek, psyche doesn't mean the mind, it means the soul. Therapy means to serve. A therapist is a servant of the soul, a psychotherapist. Yatros means doctor. A psychiatrist is a soul doctor, not a medication dispenser. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, And all these words come from this tradition, and eventually scientific medicine uh, developed out of this tradition, but it took thousands of years. Okay. So, and then it lasted for 2,000 years. Jumping to the modern world, this tradition began to come back at the end of World War II when we had a worldwide disaster and so many people suffering. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jungian psychologists began to discover... And work with this tradition, and start to study it, and bring, uh, write books about it, and work with people who are having dreams about it. So that it started to come back then. Um, also, at the end of World War II. The war's over. British soldiers are bivouacked in that place at Pidavros, where I was in the theater,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the main healing sanctuary. But it was the end of the war, and the place was in ruins. The soldiers were bivouacked there waiting to be shipped back to England after several nights of sleeping in the sanctuary, not knowing where they were, or what was going on. The whole contingent of soldiers appeared before their commanding officers and they said, this place is haunted. We got to get out of here. What do you mean haunted? What are you talking about? The officers asked. The soldiers reported every one of us is having the identical dream every night. And this dream is that we're seeing a, ma- uh, a tall man uh, with a beard and curly hair, ra- dressed in an old Greek toga, carrying a staff with a snake wrapped around it, just walking through uh, our sight, looking at all of us. Well, they didn't know it, but that was Asclepius. That's exactly what Asclepius looked like. They were having visions of that healing, dream visions of that healing God coming back to them. Uh, and so that's a modern haunting that was also showing that this spiritual energy is trying to come back to humanity at a time when we are in utmost need.
0: Fantastic story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, question I have is, um, so you learned all this knowledge mm-hmm. and you brought it back to apply it here. Yes. How are you able to apply it? Like, like you know, you got the the modern day soldiers with PTSD and all this going on. How are you able to work all that in with what they're going through?
1: Well, uh, a few ways. Thanks for asking that, too. So one matter one matter is that I don't only work with the ancient Greek tradition.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I also lead healing journeys to Vietnam. I've been there 19 times now. And so I also study and work with the Buddhist traditions, which mm-hmm. also teach us that the spirits, the souls are there on the other side and we can connect with them. And the Vietnamese also teach that what we call PTSD, well, they don't have it there because their culture is so, even though the war was there and so much damage was there, they don't have wartime PTSD because they have everything in their spirituality and their culture that enable them to heal it. Uh, One of the things they teach is that we are responsible for the lives we have taken and the souls taken by violence are on the other side waiting to reconcile with us. And so they also have ways for connecting with the souls. And they also report that they have the concept, uh, we, we might call them ghosts. The Vietnamese right. call them wandering souls. Wandering souls are people who have, who have been killed by violence or accident and their bodies are lost and they're stuck in between the worlds. They can't move to the other side. So they're here wandering, and the Vietnamese report hearing them and seeing them sometimes in the jungles. So oh. they they experience themselves being haunted by old war victims who are crying out to us to help them find peace and relief and go off to the other side. So I I use uh, Vietnamese practices. I also have studied and been initiated. With Native American, our Native American brothers and sisters, so I use theirs, and I use these Greek practices. From all of that, studying how can we effectively bring warriors home and heal PTSD, I put together a whole a huge complex protocol. So that um, I'm not only doing conventional individual hour by hour psychotherapy, but I run intensive healing retreats on this in this country. So I'll take veterans um, on retreat for like uh, intensive four five, six days where we're not doing traditional psychotherapy. We're doing these spiritual rituals and practices that enable us to communicate with the invisible and bring healing to our souls. Regarding the Greek tradition, I uh, I lead healing journeys to Greece uh, once or twice a year. Um, um Blessedly, I'm leaving again in two weeks, and uh, in, uh, in the middle of March, I'm bringing a group of veterans over to Greece, and we will be doing some of these practices in Greece. I really do, in my retreats both in Greece and here in the States, we do the dream incubation process. We do it. So we do holistic practices to get people really relaxed. Of course, we do storytelling so people can tell what their stories are and uh their afflictions and Mm -hmm. we have people we always have civilian supporters witnessing and supporting the veterans which is what's supposed to happen when warriors come back the society is supposed to support them and welcome them home whether the war was right or wrong it's not the point we have Mm -hmm. to support our warriors it's not their fault Mm -hmm. and we really do the dream incubations that we're talking about and uh, people have visions. People have what Carl Jung called big dreams, not the little everyday dreams, you know, what happened in my childhood or what happened at work today that's bothering me or uh, those kind of dreams. But people have what Jung called big dreams, which he said were that's when the spirit world is come breaking through. That's when we're seeing the archetypes that are invisible but are part of us that are built into the universe, built into our unconscious, and they come to us in dreams and visions as if they're spirits or ghosts that are arriving. Right. So we do the dream incubations, and I could tell you many, many stories of people like in ancient times have transformational visions and dreams and uh, are connected by, uh, by the invisible spirits that come to them in the dream sleep and bring them intense and immediate a healing and transformation. Wow,
0: I just find it so interesting that, and it's a nice thing that I had a friend who was um, get, getting counseling up, up in the Pacific Northwest and she ran into a counselor who understood because she is, my friend has psychic abilities. So she actually ran into a counselor who understood. I think that helps. And I think mm-hmm. it's wonderful because you, because I'm hearing more and more of this out in your field you know the of people that the, 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 that understand that, that that spiritual part I think it's great and I think it's a huge tool for you guys to use uh,
1: I agree with you and uh, I agree that it's becoming more and more well the psychology world is becoming more and more aware of the reality of the spiritual world and working with it more and it's changing in the as the generations change too so mm-hmm. because I, I'm an old guy I'm the Vietnam War generation yeah. some people in my generation are getting there. The generation before me, nobody got, almost nobody got there. The right. next generation, in your generation, this is good. More and more people are unhappy with mainstream medicine and psychology and mainstream culture, and that it's not serving us. And the spirituality is missing. So mm-hmm. we know. Look how many people are turning to psychedelics, to mm-hmm. the use of ketamine, and those are also all now uh, being researched and used. Or psychotherapy mm-hmm. so what people are desperate for genuine spiritual experience and in our culture that is so drug dependent and ignorant about these matters
0: mm-hmm.
1: most people only know to turn to um, substances to try help them get to the other side what this shows is how hungry people are for it mm-hmm. that it is being normalized the bad thing is if the medical Corporations get a hold of it and control it. That's not going to mm-hmm. be good. But right. um, but the fact that it's legalized and available and people are seeking spirituality is great. And you're right, more and more um, psychological practitioners are realizing the need for spirituality and introducing it into our their practices. Absolutely. I've been consulted many times over my career by people who have had really break through spiritual dreams Mm -hmm. and visions, and then they've gone to a traditional psychiatrist or psychologist and been told, you're going psychotic. That's crazy. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not crazy. Something from the spirit world or the unconscious is breaking through
0: and -hmm. trying to make
1: itself known, and it's the therapists who don't recognize it and don't know how to work with that material. Right.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The other comment I had about this too is it hard now? You're 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 talking to these guys that have come back from from wars. You know that, that you're dealing with. Is it hard to? I'm not going to say convince them, but but when you start to tell them about this this other side of of, of how you can help them, how willing are are, are they to do it? Or do you uh, have skeptics that come through? Or how's that work?
1: Good question. The hardest part is uh, the first the first difficulty is. Um, is uh, convincing women or men who have been to war to actually come in and seek help Oh, mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons. Just as you said earlier, our warriors, veterans, really need to be with people who get it. Okay. And if the therapist doesn't get it, they're out of there. They're out of there. And most therapists don't get it, and most of the literature on post-traumatic stress disorder doesn't teach it. It teaches people... Here's the symptoms and here's the pigeonholes. And I also teach it's a chronic, probably lifelong stress and anxiety disorder. You can't heal it. You can only learn to adapt to it and adjust to the symptoms.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For everybody listening out there, that's wrong. That's not true. We can heal it. Other cultures prevent it or heal it. And I've worked with lots of veterans who are extraordinarily magnificent, healthy, strong, human beings who have fully healed their PTSD. So we can heal it, but it takes it takes these kinds of practices because it's not post traumatic stress disorder. The way I translate that acronym is two ways. Post traumatic soul distress. It's your soul that is agonizing and the symptoms are your soul screaming in anguish and you got to do some soul work. You need to do spiritual work to heal this. Mm -hmm. And the other way I translate it is post-traumatic social disorder, because it's not an individual pathology. It's not something wrong with you. It's the system that's not treating you correctly, that didn't welcome you home, that sent you off to a bad war, that abandoned and neglected you when you came back. It's Mm -hmm. the homecoming that's the source of trauma. And we have to be reunited with the whole social order. And we all have to be involved in this. So when I present this 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 pre, um perspective to, the, to warriors, they love it. They really love it. They want it, they love it, they humbly I do say, they tell me I get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're one of the you're one of the people who get it, so yes, we can work together and let's do this work. Whereas if they're with a therapist who doesn't get it, they might try to educate that therapist and then um, and then they'll quit. And then the therapist or the VA system, if they're quitting the VA, will say, ah, it's, they're in denial. They're noncompliant. They're not taking their meds. So it's their okay. fault. Not It's not their fault. It's because our s- mainstream system and our uh, philosophy for how to he- heal warriors is terribly inadequate and has failed them. So we have to change how we think and feel and act toward them. And so I've written several books about both of these topics, Mm -hmm. the healing of the warriors and also of uh, working with the ancient Greek tradition.
0: Now, the question I have too along that line is, since you studied all these different techniques, you know, from different countries,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: when when you're talking to somebody, you know, and, and and you're working with them as a client, are you able to tailor based on you know what you know from different countries, are, are you able to take that knowledge and tailor it to each individual guy or each individual person or how's that work?
1: Uh, yeah. And that's also a, an important point. Um, in general, the conventional mainstream healing systems mm-hmm. have the philosophy of one size fits all, right? Sure. You've got the symptom. Here's the medication that we're throwing at it. And a million people are on this med and we know it gets rid of the symptom. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's symptom control. That's not healing. That might l- let you get up in the morning. Uh, maybe it wiped out your nightmares so you got some sleep that night, maybe. Maybe you're not trembling. Maybe you're not going into a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you haven't healed. It's only that well, you have to be on the medication to suppress the symptom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sorry. I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what were you talking about? No, talking him.
0: about tailoring for you your. Oh right! Patience. Thank
1: you, thank you. Got it. Right. Real healing. Your point is good. Real healing is you tailor the healing practices and the interventions to each individual. One okay. size doesn't fit all. So, right. uh, I mean, my bag of tricks, healing tricks, is huge. But I listen really deeply and carefully to each person. And I'll only use the practices and techniques that fit for them, Mm -hmm. that match their own belief system that they're comfortable with and that that they're willing to try.
0: Interesting. Is meditation a big uh, big part of what you do, too?
1: Yes, in a couple of ways. Um, Mindfulness meditation has become an important and popular tool for working with post-traumatic stress disorder. And it is really good and helps because it gets you out of the old trauma that's continually replaying in your mind and just into the present moment. Like PTSD, uh, no, you're not still in combat. Your mind is working like it is. Or no, the car accident or the rape is still not. It's not happening now, but the traumatic impact makes it feel to you and appear to you like it's always happening or about to happen. So mindfulness meditation pulls you out of that past and just into the present moment and teaches you just be here. Now, today, Charlotte you and I are talking now. Mm-hmm. You aren't you aren't um, my abuser from childhood. Sure. And so the mindfulness helps us really get here and shut out that intrusion. That's mm-hmm. one way to use meditation. Uh, And also, many people do do feel a spiritual presence and connection when they meditate, especially if they practice over a long period of time. So that's the second thing. Mm -hmm. Third thing is what uh, Carl Jung called it, the active imagination. When we're not just meditating to empty our minds, but rather Mm -hmm. we're using imagery, guided imagery, visualizations to talk to the dead or to talk to the spirits. So we use meditation. I use it very, very much, very much. Like um, somebody reports a, a nightmare. Maybe here's a, a recurring nightmare of when a man and I were aiming our rifles at each other and about to kill. And I pulled first and I killed him. And I have that nightmare every night and it won't go away. Hmm. Okay. Put, go into meditation. Go into trance. Let's talk to the soul of the person you killed and ask that person in deep meditation, how can I bring you peace? How can I reconcile with you? How can I help your soul to be at peace instead of still wandering? How, what can we do? So you don't keep haunting me every night. Mm -hmm. So that's the way we use the act of imagination in meditation. And then uh, we, we gain, a lot of, you know, really serious wisdom from that, from the meditations. And then uh, people have to put them into practice. And when they do, it works.
0: That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And the, and, and, and the people that, that, that you're doing this with are the majority willing to do this because I know I've got friends who I'm trying to get them into meditation and, oh, no, I can't do that because my mind is too busy. I can't do that. I can't do that. Is well, that's really- why, yeah.
1: Active imagination works where people whose minds are too busy. They won't get into mindfulness because you got to get really still. Right. However, your mind's already so busy. Great. Let's choose imagery and stories that you can be really mentally busy with, but we'll keep you in that story and stop um in other stories from breaking it. But um, but yeah. You can have a really active mind and cognitive uh, activity going on all the time. And through guided imagery and active imagination, you can still be in the inner world uh, gaining the advantages from this, these practices. Let me tell you another ghost story. Go for it. Oh, this happened on your coast, actually. Uh, wow. oh, okay. I was working. This was um, in Seattle. So I was working in Seattle with with our veterans, and uh, I gave a presentation to the vet center in Seattle. After I gave a talk, the director, who was a Vietnam combat veteran, asked for, "Can we have a private meeting in my office?" "Sure, of course we can. Let's talk, brother." We're in private, and he said, "You know, I never believed in this spiritual stuff before, until." I came back from Vietnam. I was in a firefight and I killed some Viet Cong soldiers and I went up to their bo- the body of one of them and I picked up the Viet Cong battle flag that he had had. It was a homemade battle flag and he was carrying it and I killed the guy and I brought it home as a war souvenir, which is common. People do that under these sure. conditions. Ever since I brought that home, I've been having nightmares of the Viet Cong soldiers that I killed coming to me in my sleep and haunting me. And they want something from me. They want something from me. I don't know what it is. Okay. uh, Well, brother, what do you think it might be? And since it only started to happen when you came back with that flag, what do you think's going on? He said, I think I brought the souls, those souls home on the flag with me. That was their battle flag. That's where they died. Uh, Hmm. Old spiritual lessons teach us that the soul of a warrior stays at the place he was killed. They attached to me. They attached to the flag They came home with me. What can I do about this? I said, well, how about coming back to Vietnam with me and returning the flag and bringing those souls home? And he said, I'm never going back there. I can't. But would you bring the flag back for me? Of course I would. So I didn't only bring the flag back, but um, I have a deep partnership with the main museum about the war in Mm -hmm. Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon, which is called the War Remnants Museum. So I let the museum know I was bringing the flag. They arranged a beautiful welcome home ceremony for the flag because they believed it's bringing their souls back. Mm -hmm. So the museum director, And their veterans were there. And I brought a veteran group there. So we had reconciliation ceremony right in the museum between their veterans and our veterans. And then then we had this beautiful ceremony of returning the flag. That's not the end. That was great. The people in the museum could read the homemade flag and they could identify the village it came from. So we not only, we didn't. the the museum didn't keep the flag. We had an excursion into the Mekong Delta and we returned the uh, the flag to the village it came from and to the family that had made the flag. And it was their grandfather who the Americans had killed. The Vietnamese are so spiritual and believe in the spirit world and, and the souls eternally alive so deeply. They said to us, You didn't didn't bring the flag home. You brought our grandfather home. Wow. From now on and forevermore, you are our relations and we love you because you returned the wandering soul of our grandfather. Okay. Wait. There's one more step that was on that side of the world. Got back to the U.S. Got a call from this veteran from Seattle. He said... Tick, what the hell did you do? Said, what do you mean? What did I do, brother? How are you doing? What's different? He said, my nightmares have completely stopped. I'm sleeping like a baby. Wow. It was the flag and it was the souls clinging to the flag. And they really went back home to Vietnam with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And nothing else has worked to, to end my nightmares, including the meds I took. But this spiritual practice in collaboration with the Vietnamese people, and did it. I'm good. So real-life ghost ghost story that is really about spiritual healing and the way people, what we call ghosts and spirits, really exist from the invisible world and we can really heal them on the other side and heal ourselves by working this way with them.
0: I've experienced something similar because as a ghost hunter out in the field, you will get stuff that follows you home inadvertently.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: can tell because my, my house is active anyway with, with relatives and whatnot. So I can tell when it's someone that doesn't belong here.
1: Uh huh.
0: I can tell right away. And so my neighbors used to think it was funny because <laughs> I would open all my windows. And I mm. kick them all out. You know, and the, my, my yep. neighbor would go, oh, you brought some home. Or one of the things we do is that if we know we got it from a particular cemetery or some t- little town, Mm-hmm. we'll drive to the town and open the door and say look you're back now. You need to go uh, back to back yeah. to wherever you came from. And mm-hmm. it works. It does work. So it's it's similar mm-hmm. to what you're saying, you know, with, with that is. story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um we do want everybody in the world to know that we have we all have well, the invisible world wants to communicate with us and it mm-hmm. tries. And the portals are open uh, actually more easily and readily than people realize and it's mm-hmm. our ignorance and fear that keeps them closed and people unbelieving yeah mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah how successful have you been let's get down to the, the nitty gritty on this you know we, we talked about the, the, the these two ghost stories but how successful have you been working with with these guys because i know you know i, I have a cousin that has ptsd you know and it's hard sometimes it's hard to get them to 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 to, to bend
1: It's very hard to get them to bend, again, because they feel so alienated and because we don't get it. Um, I'm a humble guy. so I really don't like to brag or toot my own horn. So with that disclaimer, um, I have been very, very, very successful. Very successful. Um, Scouts on are so successful that uh, the Pentagon chose me as their subject matter, matter expert to train the entire U.S. Army Chaplain Corps and Special Forces Chaplain Corps and uh, Air National Guard in how to heal PTSD. And I did that for a decade. So I don't only heal our veterans, but I've also actually literally trained part of our military and how really what PTSD is, the spiritual wounding of PTSD and how to uh, bring healing to it and I'm honored to say that uh, they actually teach some of my books in their chaplain and medical schools, um, trying to help people learn this holistic and spiritual um, mm-hmm. uh, perspective on PTSD. That doesn't mean it's easy, and it doesn't mean that most of our uh, warriors are easily going to accept this, because this is right. really out of the mainstream box. But mm-hmm. once they arrive and we start to talk and they realize that I really do get what it is to be a war, and that even though I wasn't in military war, I've survived other forms of warfare on my own. And I'm, and you know I'm in the brotherhood. Uh, then it's wide open, and the the healing happens. And I'm actually very very good and successful at working with them.
0: Absolutely. And another question that just came to mind was how do you decide which technique to use with a particular person
1: oh that's a good question too and another mistake that the mainstream medical and psychological community work is most people have their techniques right so mm-hmm. you go to a you go for biofeedback or you go for emdr or you go for um nutritional counseling, or you go for gestalt therapy or whatever, and people apply their technique to every one of their patients. Rather than, I don't know what you need yet. I'm going to really listen to you for deeply, deeply listen and get to know you and what's afflicting you and what your value system is and what your spiritual beliefs are. And then we'll choose the techniques together that would work best for you rather than imposing one technique because that's what I know how to do.
0: Okay. a lot. That makes tons and tons of sense. Tons and tons. So which one, you know, out of everything that, that you've studied, and I know everybody has favorites and stuff, right? So, so this is, let's be real with this. Out, of, out of all the techniques that you've studied, which which one do you prefer to use?
1: What is your favorite? Oh, goodness. Well, I guess I have to say that the Asclep- the Asclepian Dream Healing Tradition from Greece is my okay. favorite. I'm saying that because I do it the most.
0: Sure.
1: <laughs> because I love doing it because um, dreams are so interesting and fascinating. And they are um, doorways into the unconscious and into the spirit world. And... The dreams that people have in these practices are endlessly fascinating. Uh And also, uh, it doesn't hurt as much as just slogging your way through the anguish. It's not only reporting horror stories and crying and feeling the catharsis, but it really is getting beyond the pain you're carrying to connect with the invisible world and be uplifted. So I love doing it. And when I'm doing it, like we're talking about it, I feel it enlivens me. I feel so alive. And that's one of the things that keeps me fooling everybody and looking young.
0: There you go. Another question I have, too, I just thought of it as far as dreams go. What's the most common dream that you run into with with these gentlemen or and ladies?
1: Uh, with the warriors? With the veterans?
0: Yeah, with the warriors, yeah.
1: Ooh, the most common dream. Bad kills
0: okay.
1: Bad kills really um, I, I, I'm gonna I'm tearing up saying this oh, and I'm okay. thinking of so many people all at once. Uh, I fired warning shots and the car wouldn't stop and the uh, rules of engagement says fire the warning shots and if they're still coming after you shoot 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 and I slaughtered a family. Like that. Or um, uh, an enemy soldier shot at me from that window and I fired back. And when I got to the room, I found a dead child. Bad kills, wrong kills. People, life I took that I shouldn't have because they were innocent, because they weren't Mm -hmm. threatening me. And that's a really, really common uh, dream, nightmare that warriors Mm -hmm. have. And we have the phrase now, um, moral injury. It's not only PTSD. It's I have betrayed my own deepest, most precious uh, morals and value system. And so and that's a soul wound. It's our uh-huh. soul that distinguishes right and wrong, good from evil, and is supposed to do good and is harmed when we do wrong. And that's a lesson from Socrates and Jesus. Uh, and when we talk that way and share that with the warriors, yeah, that's right. My soul is wounded, and I have to reconcile with, uh, with the life I took and with the spirit or the ghost of that person. And there are ways to do it.
0: Fantastic. And what advice do you have for someone that wants to seek help? What, what, what type of counselor should, should they be looking for?
1: Oh, wow. Um, all right. A couple of things about that. Good question. Okay. One is really do go shopping. Really. Don't assume that if a person has degrees after their name, or they're the closest office to you, or there's an opening in their practice and they say they treat something, that that's Mm -hmm. good for you. I always say go shopping and find the personal relationship, the best person that you connect with, that you bond with, you know, in an emotional and spiritual way. The most important thing is a good, strong, healing relationship that you can trust and surrender to, to trust to go through this. That's the first thing. Um, mm-hmm. Secondly, as we said, the words in the professions come from the ancient spiritual tradition. If you need to go to a psychiatrist, don't go to a medication dispenser, which just listen ask, listens to your symptoms for five minutes and then throws medications at it. That's not healing. Psychiatrist, soul doctor, go to somebody who listens to you, who hears you, who you feel is talking to your essence. And the same with with a psychotherapist. Somebody you feel is serving your spirit, not just doing their job or applying their techniques to everybody. Those are the essential things. And then if those are in place, then many different uh, therapeutic techniques can work because it's the the two people in a, a healing partnership and how they apply them that work not the technique itself.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What's next for you?
1: Oh, I'm leaving for Greece again in two weeks awesome. and uh, I'm going, I'm working on my ninth book mm-hmm. um, there. Ninth, Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I guess we're talking about my eighth book called soul medicine, which just came out a couple weeks ago and mm-hmm. all this material is in there. So I have another book contract on another book on Greece about seeking spiritual sanctuary from ancient times to the present in Greece. So I'm going, I'm leaving in two weeks, and I'll be there for a month. Uh, About about three weeks of of working on my book, Uh, and then 10 days where a group of warriors from Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, Canadian uh, warriors are coming to join me, and I will lead the kind of intensive Dream, Quest, Journey for Warriors that we've been talking about today from Mm -hmm. the end of March for 10 days. So that's next. We're looking forward to that.
0: And how can people find you?
1: Thank you for asking. I have two websites. So uh, one is just my name, Mm -hmm. edwardtick.com. And uh, my books are all on that. That's an author's site. And then for all of my work, my website is called, as one word, mentorthesoul.com. No, I'm sorry. Yes. .com, yes. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> mentor the soul.com. So, edwardtick.com or mentor the soul.com. And Edward, The rest of Edward, my contact information are on those sites.
0: Gotcha. Edward, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I learned so much today. Fantastic. I hope that you continue this work with you with these guys, you know, with these warriors because people need the help and I think what you do is great.
1: Yeah, thank you, thank you very much, Sean. Great to be with you, and uh, yeah, I pledge to you and to all of our warriors out there. Uh, I'm in this until I'm in my grave, and maybe even beyond. It's a life calling, and I I'm honored to serve this way. Thank you.
0: All right, thank you so much, sir. You have a good rest of the day.
1: You too. Thank you so much. Great to be with you.
0: All right, bye bye. All right, I learned so much. That was great. Hopefully, we can get him back on sometime. After he goes, after he makes his trips, we can talk more about this stuff. I just, I just think it's just wonderful work that he does. Shifting gears a little bit tomorrow, MC Stevens is, or uh, I'm sorry, MG Stevens is going to be with us, and she has a story to tell. In that she grew up in a haunted house, but not only that, she realized that that wasn't the house that was haunted; it was herself. So we're going to be talking to her about that. She she became a therapist to help people. Who have issues like this, and so we're going to be talking with her tomorrow, 6:30 p.m. Pacific. In fact, let me double check that, guys. I don't want to commit and like be early or something for you. Hang on. Let me look at the handy calendars to make sure. I got all these weird times coming up, booking this stuff, and uh, it gets crazy. Let's see. Do to do. Yeah, 6:30 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be talking with her tomorrow about that, you know, and, and she has a story. I mean, she her mother was a well-known psychic that who worked with. Um, the different police departments, and then it turns out that you know because it runs in families, she was psychic. Didn't realize she was psychic, you know, until much later, and didn't didn't want to embrace the, the abilities that she had, which which I went through some something similar as well as a kid, knowing that I was seeing stuff, and I thought, no, I want nothing to do with it. I don't want to deal with it, you know. Okay, but uh she's got her story to tell, and she and 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 the and and the main focus of the story is that people are haunted, and not. Not, not the particular building or home you know like like let's say you have a ghost in your house and you move and the same ghost follows you over to wherever you move to that's what we're talking about that kind of thing so she's going to be with us tomorrow at 6 30 p.m Pacific okay um, if you like what you see tonight uh, or t- today uh, please uh, hit that like button and share the show because once this is off you guys can go back over on Facebook and share this puppy you know, let people know about the show. I mean, we're 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 here pumping out shows uh, seven days a week practically, and uh, they're they're good stuff. They're good stuff. You know, I'm not trying to blow my horn or anything, but I, I think they're pretty good shows. But uh, if you li- if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Hunts Radio. Again, if you're watching from Facebook or you're watching from YouTube, be sure to hit that like button if you saw something that that you like. Even on Twitch, hit that like button right. Because we're over on broadcasting on Twitch as well, um, but I, I want to thank all you guys for coming today, and I appreciate it. I know it's an early showing. Um, if you know anybody that usually watches the show in the evening and and is unavailable today, be sure to let them know that we did air at eleven a.m. today. But anyway, I'm going to give you his contact information and some of his books to take a look at, and then I'm going to bug off, and I'll see you guys tomorrow at six thirty p.m. Pacific. So let's make sure I hit the right button here. There we go. Websites, Mentor the Soul guide. edwardtick.com and soldiersheart.net and of course there's the book Soul Medicine War and the Soul this is another book and Warrior's Return and of course he has Six other books of varying topics and stuff as well. I really like people like him. I, I, I love the fact that they're available. And, of course, the books are available on Amazon. I really love the fact that they're available and so open-minded to look at the spiritual side of things. I think it's very important. Okay, guys, I will see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening.